We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. 2022 Fantasy Football Rankings Update News, Notes, Risers, Fallers. Who do we like a little bit more after watching week one of the preseason? Who got hurt? How does that affect the rankings? Well, if you just want the cheat sheet version of this, easy stuff. Hit the description. The updated top 150 rankings list is in there right now, along with all of the individual positions. And if you missed the top 150 rankings debate show, shame on you, but it's an easy fix. The entire draft guide is down in the description as well and all up on the Mayo Media Network YouTube channel. So please subscribe to that. Smash the like button to the episode, and we got some good giveaways coming up if you are a subscriber to both the YouTube channel and the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast. So I would highly recommend that you do that. And you want to build your own projections? Easy. Runthesims.com. You want to get the betting tools and the DFS tools? Runthesims.com slash Mayo gets you 10% off all of that. You're going to want it by the time the season comes along. May as well use that 10% off Mayo code right now to get yourself ready. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com is on the line. Jake, last time we talked, you were a man who was just in possession of a ring. You had not given it away. But now you have. You are engaged. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Actually, sharp eyes and ears noticed that I almost gave it away on your show last time we were talking about the fact that I had noticed and shopped for a ring. But yes, that it was already in my possession. And it's not in my possession anymore. Is it officially in my fiance's possession on her hand? That's fantastic news, man. It was very exciting. It was like a really cool spot. Like you told me, like shout out Nando for picking all of that up. Yes. Before we uh, dig a little bit deeper into that and the news, I want to remind everyone that down in the description of the pod and the video right now, the week one Pat Mayo experience DraftKings listeners league is now open. There's 5,000 spots. It's been open for like three hours and there's already like 600 spots gone. It's going to fill very quickly. It's the best tournament on DraftKings, $15 to play three max entry, but get this no rake involved whatsoever. So go reserve your spot. Hell go fill out your lineups right now. The pricing's out. I just reserved my spots. Levitan and I went over like the early values last week on the show. So you can go back and check that out to see who the best points per dollar plays are. But obviously stuff is going to change, Jake, as we get closer to the season. Was there anything that stuck out to you from week one that kind of shifted your opinion on like, it was a bit higher on that guy, maybe not so much, or I was a bit lower on that guy and he actually looked pretty good. You mean having like Isaiah Pacheco as the one-on-one in drafts right now? Yeah, well, I think that's what we should be doing. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about Pacheco for a second. Like, he, what what are the chances he's not the running back three in Kansas City? As in, he's the running back two chances? Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're warranted. I think they're real. Uh, the truth of fact is like there's a couple things. So you and I talk about this. I was, anybody that might not know at this point, but I reiterate it every single year is when people see running with the ones for practices in July and then running with the ones in the preseason games, running with the ones, running with the ones is that's the only way you can get evaluated. So it is a little bit of a nugget in information, but it's not the BL end all. It's not definitively, hey, this player is going to be starting. This player is going to be made. It's the evaluation. Running with the ones is a good thing. Obviously, it's not a bad thing. The bad news and the more telling is when you're not even getting that. So, as we saw, Ronald Jones, 
even Kenyon Drake in last night's game. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, so uh, in your area, when you're watching this, so the Raiders not having Kenyon Drake out there is telling for the fact that Drake and Ronald Jones could be on the roster bubble. So that's more concerning. So that's opening the door for Chaco, whether it's he's definitively the number two and then it's Gore and McKinnon or whether he's a complimentary piece. Edwards Alaire was out there a lot to start the game. I think the odds as of today are he's the number two, but I don't think anybody should go crazy and start to overdraft him inside the top 30, 35 running backs. He's still likely to be in a timeshare, even if something were to happen to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Everybody's kind of overrating the entire backfield because it's the Chiefs, just like what they did when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was when, when we had that whole situation when Williams was out for the year. And then all of a sudden, Edwards Hilaire jumped into the first round. I have Pacheco at number 57 in the running back rankings. Is that now too low? Should he be higher than, let's say, Naheem Hines? I so it's funny you said that he's like right back to back for me with Naeem Hines and like Daryl Henderson and so for the way that you talk about strategy every single year and we talk about on this show is once you get into this running back range of like the Gainwells, Cooks, Spillers, Pachecos and stuff like that instead of drafting you know somebody that like you just know is going to get a timeshare piece every single week and he's going to be what he's going to be like uh, like Jamal Williams whether or not like you could have a sidebar conversation of if he's the guy and that's a whole nother what if this is a similar situation, if you think Jamal Williams is going to be the guy going to get 70% of the touches, if something happens to Swift, Pacheco needs to be in the same conversation. Same thing for Isaiah Spiller needs to be in the same conversation. So you're drafting these guys as potential league winners, top 25 running backs or for something to happen. Whereas why are you drafting Marlon Mack? Even if he's the lead and he's sharing all that, like he's not a league winner. Like you, there's too much going on and it's a poor offense. So I'd rather draft a Pacheco if you miss on him in the eighth, ninth, 10th round, oh, well, you go find another one. And these are like kind of your strategy you talk about every single year is getting these running backs as you get deeper into the draft. Would you go Pacheco or Spiller? Hmm. I'm going Spiller just because if something were to happen. But again, now I want to preface this by saying is I believe in Spiller. The concerning part was he didn't get a lot of use. It was actually Joshua Kelly first. But again, first preseason game could just be evaluating him with the ones. But I I want to see the second game because there was a lot of usage with rookies. Like we saw Ken Walker out there with no penny. He was out there on some passing downs and they did mix in Homer. So there's rookie running backs kind of are a little bit tougher to gauge off the first preseason game. So as of today, I still lean Spiller. But if you want to go Pacheco, I'm okay with it. Okay, I'm going to keep Spiller ahead of him right now, so that makes him number 49 in the running back rankings. And the big difference between someone like Spiller and Pacheco is Spiller's just going way later. Like, all of the buzz right now is about, oh, my God, could we have (laughs) Kansas City running back number one? Unless something crazy happens, and maybe I'm stupid for thinking this, that Jarek probably has a better fantasy season. I see that's where it comes down to, is Pacheco going to be the pass-catching compliment? Because if that is the situation I could see a scenario where McKinnon and Ronald Jones are non-factors. Maybe one of them's on the roster and that being McKinnick, but he's inactive. And then they go with Gore as more of, he can handle a little bit earlier down carries. So I could see McKinnon being involved. I could see McKinnon getting completely left out of the equation, uh, depending on what they feel on Pacheco. So I think this is interesting, but either, no matter what way it cuts is, I think, I believe from what we've seen, if Edwards Alaire goes down, we're probably looking at a full-blown committee and we're not just two two pieces. And that would be not great for anyone, to tell you the truth, in terms of your right. fantasy team. Maybe right. one of them can grab that job, run with it, and all of a sudden they're a top 20 fantasy running back. But if not, like best-case scenario, in a two- to three-person timeshare, if Clyde Edwards-Lair goes out, if Pacheco gets all the goal line work, then you know, that's very valuable. If he doesn't, then he's just a, still not a guy that you're ever going to play. Right. I think that if you, you look at it like the Eagles, basically Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell, then that you hope Pacheco Sanders, and you hope, unlike Sanders last year, he could actually score some touchdowns. But I think that's kind of the range of how you should feel about it. Whereas when we're talking about it, all the hype around him before the game and then all the hype after he actually played well in that game and got a target inside the goal line area and all that, that people are like, oh my God, if Edwards Alaire goes down, top 20 running back, lock it in. And I think that's where we need to cool our jets a little bit. Elvin Kamara and his sentencing has been pushed for a fourth time. It's now at the end of September. No word on whether or not that won't be pushed again, but it's now looking more and more likely like he will not face 
any retribution, no suspension, potentially until next season comes along. So inside the rankings, he needs to be treated as a full-time running back who's going to play all 17 games as of right now. Of course, he can get hurt as we go through this, or maybe they will sentence him at that time, and then he will be suspended for four, eight games, whatever it may be. I had him at number 11 in the running back rankings. Do I need to rethink that now that he's potentially there for all 17 games? I was kind of leaning that way to begin with. We've discussed this in the past, but now that we not necessarily know for sure, but it's just, let's say, 85% chance that there's no suspension, maybe even higher, that there's not going to be a suspension. Should he be ahead of, like, Joe Mixon in the rankings, or is 11 just where he should be? No, I say no on Joe Mixon, but this is going to come differently to go back to our tier show that you and I did together. Uh, our tier differences are slight in this range. Uh, I have Camara in the Joe Mixon tier behind Joe Mixon. So he's eight for me, sandwiched between Barkley and Cook. Again, differences out there, how you feel about Cook and Barkley and all that type of stuff. But basically, I put him in with the Eckler, Mixon, Barkley, Camara, Cook, and that's my grouping. So I am there playing the 17 games. If you want to avoid them, because you just mentioned every like the reports keep saying time and time again, like, it's similar to the beat camp reports. If one person says it, you're kind of like, okay, let me remember somebody said that. Six, seven, eight people have been like, it's probably not happening this year. There's still a slim chance it does. And the biggest concern I have is if we're looking at the Ezekiel Elliott midseason or what if worst case scenario for fantasy purposes, not to say I'm selfish for us, but for fantasy purposes, what if it's the final six games of the year? And then you get him at the worst time of year, he gets suspended for us. So that's still out there. It sounds like that's not even going to happen. So that's why I have him at eight. I would not put him over Mixon just because I don't think, even as good as Winston looked from a decision-making process last year, I just don't think you're going to see the volume ever again that Breeze sent his way, especially now that you have the fact that Thomas, Landry, Alave, and all the options there with Winston and the offense now – I just don't think Kamara is in that volume that he saw from previous years, even over a full 17 games. So I would I would go mix it before I went Kamara. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep him at number 11, and a lot of it is predicated on what Jameis Winston's role in checking down to Kamara is going to be. If it's not eight targets a game and it's five targets a game, well – over the course of a season, you're losing an awful lot of fantasy points from a quarterback who doesn't love checking down. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And the funny thing is, is even last year, is that Camaro was, you know, kind of more of the lead run, like a, the heavy carry volume, and even without that with Jameis Winston. So I think that, yeah, we say five targets per game. So 85, 85 targets over season might even feel a little bit high in how this offense works with Winston. Does. So I'm going to keep him at number 11. I'm pretty good with that ranking, and I do not have him on that tier that you have him. He's sort of the cutoff point for me looking at the overall rankings. Number 11 at running back, I have him at number 24 overall. But I have other quarter running backs in that tier with Mixon that you don't. I have Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones both in that tier. And then in, as a part of the rankings, there's like Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, and then it's Elvin Kamara. I'd be fine with him with the second, with the last pick of the second round, but I think I'd rather those. I mean, I would rather those other guys. So they're going to remain ahead of him in the rankings. And I would guess that you disagree. Maybe not with the receivers, but maybe the tight ends. Mm, maybe a little bit of the tight ends. Yeah, we've had that conversation year in and year out by now. Uh, but this, we're in small differences at this point. Once again, hit the description. You can just find the entire list up there if you want to follow along. Smash the like while you're here as well. Where do we want to go from here? How about how bad Antonio Gibson's weekend was? Is this a prime buy low <laughs> opportunity or like, should we be legitimately concerned? I think it could be both. I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive because the concern here, and that's even coming from Ben Standig, who writes for the athletic and has covered this team for years, is the fact that they're worried about the goal line carries for fantasy purposes. And if you don't have the goal line carries and you're losing those similar to Clyde Edwards, Alaire after he went, what one for seven that first week last year, and then <laughs> didn't see much for the rest of the season. That's the concern because sure you run for 1200 yards at another 200, but if you're only scoring three touchdowns, you know, that's going to really hurt your fantasy value of being an RB one. And that's why I said it could be both. At the point of Gibson falling to the sixth round, which uh, I just talked to Meany this morning on my show, and he said he saw him in the seventh round. If you're, I was already in on Gibson in the fifth. If you're going to give him to me at the sixth, seventh, now you're baking in that Brian Robinson 
takes the goal line carries. The biggest thing that doesn't happen for Gibson at that point, concerning wise, is if Brian Robinson takes a share and all of a sudden this is a committee because you know J.D. McKissick's going to get his. But even before McKissick got hurt last year, and even in the worst offense that it was last year, there was still every across the board, and no matter what site you played on, Gibson was either RB 15 to 20, somewhere in that range, both on the season and in points per game before McKissick went down. It's after McKissick that he shot up to an RB1. So you're already getting an RB 15 to 20. And then if he takes away some of the goal line work, okay, so he falls down to RB 28. That's not what we want. But in the sixth round, that's fine, especially if you're going wide receiver heavy. And if he doesn't cede those touches to Brian Robinson and you do get RB 18, it's it's all thumbs up from there. So I'm in on him because it's the fifth, sixth, seventh round. The problem was when he was in the third, and I was out at that point, and that was even before the Brian Robinson concern. Um, so I think it's both. I think you should legitimately be concerned because he did fumble even again, but at the same time, I think it's a buying opportunity because of how high the panic level is. I have at number 21 in the running back rankings. That's slightly ahead of A.J. Dillon, Damian Harris, Ezekiel Elliott. Should I bump him down to the bottom of that tier, do you think? That's right around where I have him, too, because I have him in a tier with – J.K. Dobbins sounds good, but we're not going to see him before week one, and Gus Edwards is out, so we're speculating on him. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, Khalil Herbert looks good, and they're talking about splitting those carries. Josh Jacobs, there's he ran all that in the Hall of Fame game, and you know Kenny Drake is a factor, and then all of a sudden he's not a factor. So Brees Hall, rookie, like I think he deserves like that group. There's all questions, and all of them have top 15 upside, but all of them have scenarios where they drop outside the top 25, even potentially top 30. I think that's the conversation of these running backs that he deserves to be in. If I threw Brian Robinson into that mix with Pacheco and Isaiah Spiller, that type of running back, would Brian Robinson be your preferred target, or is he still behind those guys? He's still behind those guys for two reasons. I don't think I don't think Gibson's just going to be like benched. Like if he loses the job, I think worst case is full blown committee. Like Gibson's too good, even with the fumbling issues, to completely go away. He's just too good of a running back. And the other part of it is is McKissick. Is just even if let's say let's say Gibson got hurt, I would still take those other two because McKissick's still going to be McKissick, and Brian Robinson is just not going to be used as much in that fashion. Where Spiller could be a near bell cow. And Pacheco, probably similar touch share than Brian Robinson, if in a different way, more passing, less running, but in a better offense. Give me some money. Give me some money. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You mentioned Abdullah in conjunction with Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, and now the reports out of Vegas are with Josh McDaniels. Amir Abdullah is likely to play the James White role in this offense. So 
How does that affect Jacobs? Because part of the allure, at least to me, before we saw the Hall of Fame game and he was just playing for, although it's funny, like, yeah, it'd be like, oh man, I can't believe he's playing. It's also a brand new head coach, a brand new offense. It's not like the craziest thing in the world that he was left in that game. Either way, that if he's not receiving, then he just turns back into prime Josh Jacobs. And he's a guy that you don't really want on your team. He's sort of a... a, a a bench spot and running back to suck on you where it's a lot like the elevated Frank Gore position that we talked about all these years, where when you look at the end of the year, he'll be running back number 17, but in points per game, he'll be like 27th. And that's just not a guy that you really want to have to play week after week. There's some stability in it, but there's no real upside. Do you think that this Abdullah thing is real? So, you know, so Frank Gore, uh, what he was at every single year, it's like, Oh look, Frank Gore finished top 20 because he played all 17 games. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah, that's the Abdul thing. I think has some teeth, uh, only because I think there's going to be some roles here. You, you know, that first game you mentioned the Hall of Fame game, and there was like jokes, and it was like, well, at least he's being used. Or Jacob's being used in the passing game, <laughs> and then after the second game, it's all of a sudden Abdul is going to have the white role. I'm not that concerned about Abdullah because I didn't think there was that much for Jacobs in the passing game to begin with because you're still talking about Adams, Waller, and Renfro. Like, there wasn't going to be that much for the backfield in, like, I don't know, what, 650? Like, and this turns into the Buccaneers passing offense, and they're all of a sudden 650, 700 pass attempts for Derek Carr. Okay, sure, maybe, but I don't even think that the defense isn't top of the league, but I, don't, I just don't think this team, even with Jake, I just don't think it's built to need Derek Carr to throw 700 times. So that being said, if Abdullah is going to absorb some, yeah, sure. There's some team like that. That's warranted. Whether it's Abdullah, whether it's Drake and Drake was in the doghouse for one week, whether, you know, if they go with the rookie, uh, I'm blanking right now. Samir White. Strange that. Thank you. Good grief. Uh, I, I had a cut. Can't the Ingram popped into my mind for some reason. And as soon as that went in, couldn't get Zamir White. Anyway, I think somebody's going to fill that role, but I don't think it's going to be to the level of James White like we saw with the Patriots, where it's going to be like, ooh, you you did for years. That's the guy. I just want that guy. I just want the pass catcher. I don't think it'll be that volume where we're going to get real fantasy worth out of it. Jacobs or Gibson? If you if they were both on the board and you had to pick one of them, which one would you go with? Gibson. Because what you say all the time, I'm going to go for the one that could finish top 10 again. Jacobs is just not going to finish top 10 unless – he runs in for 16 touchdowns, which I guess is possible of this offense. But I'm going to go for the one that, you know what, st- fixes the fumbling issues. We just saw Gibson finish as an RB1. And that's, again, I talked about the low end of it was RB15 to 20. So I'd rather go with the person who can finish top 10 again, potentially. Well, what, what, there's, the depth chart got released for the Falcons, and your boy, Algier, was listed as running back eight Seven. on the Falcons. Seven, sorry. Eight. Eighth, <laughs> whatever it was. That's not good. It's, you know the depth charts don't mean anything. That's not that they don't, but like, I don't know, man. That's not very good. We, we, yeah, but we've done this before. Head coaches do some things that sometimes where head coaches are just like rookies are always at the bottom of the depth chart. It doesn't matter if there's ten wide receivers, they're tenth. If there's five running backs, they're fifth. You know, whatever it might be. We've seen tight ends drafted in the second round not that tight ends do a ton in fantasy we've seen tight ends listed fourth with guys who get cut two weeks later so i'm not saying it's not like of course you see it you're like oh you know behind avery williams who they're transitioning to running back i i still believe that algier has a shot of course we have weeks two and three of the preseason if weeks two or three of the preseason and he doesn't even get out there again go back to the first team conversation i was having if they're not even letting him get evaluated with the first team then it's just Algier's not happening. Maybe they've seen something already. And that means Cordero ends up becoming the guy potentially once again. Or uh, Williams and get another year of Williams having some value for about six weeks before he gets banged up. Yeah, poor Damian Williams. I mean, he did set it. He sat out the COVID year, didn't he? Like on his own volition. Yeah, that, that was the Clyde Edwards Hilaire situation. That's right. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, how about Damian Pierce, who looked awesome in the preseason, but reports before the game were like, well, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead are like the co-number ones on the Texans. And then they draft Pierce. Everyone kind of likes Pierce as a sleeper. And then all of a sudden he just looks great. Like what are the chances he's actually the running back one week one versus something we see along the line a lot of the times with these rookies that, yeah, he'll be the number one, but it's not going to be to like week 10. Oh, so this is now you're in my wheelhouse of love here. Uh, Damian Pierce. I'm actually annoyed at this because I'm, I wanted all the value. I was getting so much Damian Pierce in my draft and bold prediction. So it's, it's fun 
Like, if you told me to put money on it, I'm like, it's just the the part of the bold prediction was also shocking. I said that Damian Pierce was going to be the first Texans running back to rush for 1,100 yards since Arian Foster in 2014 is the last time the Texans had somebody run for 1,100 yards. That's how long it's been. Uh, so they get that was partly fun, but I legitimately from day one that uh, Damian Pierce was the lead. I, you know, I'm not a Marlon Mack guy. I think he's a replacement level running back, and there's a lot which we know in the NFL and why people go zero RB in drafts because replacement level means as long as you're the lead, you could be an RB two on the right team in the right volume. So it's nothing to say like, oh, Marlon Mack can't have fantasy value. I just thought Damian Pierce more explosive, uh, younger, doesn't have the injuries on top of him. And there's the talk of like, they only never got that many carries at after, but he's looked good in all his opportunities in college. And he doesn't have that workload to be concerned with. Now, do I think he's really going to get 1,100 yards again? Would I put money on that? No, because I think Mac and others will be involved. Uh, but if he's a top 30 running back, and if you went wide receiver, if you got four wide receivers and used your RB2 in a heavy draft like that, I'd be happy with it. I actually think there's a chance that he can end up being the second best rookie running back. And with James Cook being the number one rookie running back? <laughs> no, James Cook being possibly not even top four. Okay. Well, I have Pierce at number 36 in the running back rankings. That's actually one spot behind. I like it. But that's one spot behind James Cook, weirdly enough. I'm guessing that you have Walker as the number one fantasy running back. Although Rashad Penny got banged no, up. Hall. Oh, yeah, Brees Hall. That's right. Um, totally. Yeah. <laughs> He's just in such a The different... number one. Tim should be screaming in your ears the number one running back in all of football. I, I, not everyone can just be number one is the problem. We went through the rankings with Tim. He didn't have Brees Hall at number one. He had McCaffrey at number one. So that makes some sense. Uh, maybe he's like number three or something like that. You know, you need to hedge your bets just a little bit. You can't be too excited about the running rookie running backs. It's just, he feels like he's in a different tier of fantasy player at the moment where we're still trying to make sense about the roles of a lot of these rookies. So we have the Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny situation. Penny gets banged up. Per usual, this is usually where he's just at at this time of year. And then four games into the season and then 12 games into the season. And maybe he'll get a healthy run. But it does seem like the injury is not super substantial. And I still think I would take Penny over Walker at this point. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think I want either of them would probably be my definitive answer. <laughs> I think that's the better answer, too. But when we did that show, uh, I do I have Penny two spots in front of Walker. Uh, Brees Hall is much higher. So I have Penny at 28, Walker at 30. Uh, Edwards Alaire sandwiched in between them as of right now. That could change. Cordero Patterson in front of all three of them just by a leg. And then a little bit further down, I have Damian Pierce at 35. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the number two, but I would still go Ken Walker just slightly in front of him because they did let him get some use in the passing game. I said this on your show. I said it on my show. Ken Walker's performance in the passing game, especially in college, just is highly concerning. I'm not saying he can't get better, but you, when you run the wrong way or turn the wrong way, even on some of your pass attempts coming your way, that's concerning. It's not like a lot of players get to the NFL and that just clicks and it changes. So I think Pierce could, but we're also talking about two poor offenses. Both of them are going to be poor offenses. So who's likely to get a likelier, heavier split? At least Walker only has Penny. Even to go back when we were talking about Pierce, Pierce has Mac and Burkhead, all the rest. There's potentially four or five options in that backfield if Houston so pleases. So that's where I go. And Cook, for me, is behind all. They actually have Cook and Spiller back-to-back. I'm the, the Buffalo Bills just proved again what we thought. I'm not worried about Zach Moss taking, like, 20 carries or 10 touches a game even, but it's a full-blown everybody got involved and what you always say pat josh allen's the lead running back and then you gotta share with everybody else let's talk jets zach wilson tears his acl but not really so he could be back for week <laughs> one potentially they did lose beckton's so they lose the right tackle they signed Dwayne brown so that seems to be a wash at this point what were you excited for the Jets' offense to begin with? Because there was a lot of buzz, like, oh, their mm -hmm. defense is going to be bad. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. Zach Wilson, breakout year. I was never there to begin with, but I admittedly don't like Zach Wilson. I don't think he's very good. He wasn't very good in that preseason game before he got hurt. At least he showed a little <laughs> bit of mobility. Maybe he doesn't quite hold up to some of the hits that he needs to take. But what do you do with the Jets' offense? Obviously, you like Brees Hall, but, like, what about the receivers? And this is something that I talked about on that show. Like, is it – 
Is it Wilson? Is it Moore? Is it Corey Davis for no reason whatsoever? Like, there's a lot of different options here, and I just don't know if any one person leaps out ahead. If it was me, I'd draft Elijah Moore, but that could be just dead wrong at the same time, too. Yeah, so I am team Elijah Moore. I I am not team Zach Wilson. I've, I've been on record as even saying is I just think he's Daniel Jones for the Jets. That's that. So, but that being said, that can make players still valuable. I am a hundred percent Elijah Moore. Actually, I have a piece coming out this week. It's the likelihood of these players. Like every year, we see somebody that pops into the top ten at their position that we didn't expect before. Or hasn't before. That's you can't have previously done it for the calm. Elijah Moore's in there, and I gave the likelihood. Now, granted, out of ten, because to get to the top ten, it's an enormous jump for a lot of players. So I gave him a four out of ten, which isn't the lowest of all the players I did. But you know, I have to give you an example real quick. At the top, I have Michael Pittman at eight out of ten, so like half the likelihood. But for the positive side of it, we saw Elijah Moore's run last year in that second half before he got hurt. Second half of his season, middle of the season, so to speak after he kind of got his feet wet that first couple weeks he was getting the targets but it was rough let's be honest it was rough for him and then he went on that stretch where he was wide receiver two in that stretch where it was six targets every single game and then he was catching most of them and scoring touchdowns and making big plays and he was wide receiver five in points per game and you look at that that wasn't all with zach wilson that was some of the mike white games so i'm not you know I, I'm not so concerned about Zach Wilson of like whoever the quarterback is because I think Elijah Moore is a talent that can eclipse the quarterback position's talent. The one thing that you did mention was, yeah, they drafted Garrett Wilson. So you have to factor some of that in, and that's why he's a four. If they didn't draft Garrett Wilson, I'd probably put him at like a seven or an eight. Like I think he really has that potential. But yeah, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, there's a lot of talent and a lot of pieces in this offense. And on the Brees Hall side of thing, he split a lot with Michael Carter in that first preseason game to say that like maybe we need to cool down a little bit on Brees Hall maybe similar to what you said it's not even jonathan taylor where it took a few games maybe it's a mix between jonathan taylor and cam Akers, and Brees hall isn't at a top 15 running back until like week six seven or eight or somewhere around there he might be the better one as you mentioned very often throughout the years is let somebody else draft Brees hall go to try to snipe him off from the from like week three or four in a trade and then reap the benefits when he finally takes over in the middle of the season you hit on a key name, Jonathan Taylor, who I believe is your number one player overall in fantasy drafts. Frank Reich saying that there's no chance Jonathan Taylor leads the league in touches. I don't think we expected him to lead the league in touches. Does that worry you at all? No, it doesn't. It honestly doesn't because, you know, like how many times does the top running back lead the league in touches in general? They're in the mix. But a lot of times, I mean, there's been times where the league leader in touches is still only RB5. So, yeah, we want touches because it's more opportunities. But at the same time, more opportunities touching the ball means more opportunities to potentially get hurt. If they're going to be smart with Jonathan Taylor, I'm not concerned about it. We knew Naheem Hines was a factor. He's been a factor. And they even had him involved sometimes last year in between the times he was hurt and then just not effective. So Jonathan Taylor was never going to be 80 targets in a season. So... I'm not I'm not that concerned at all. But I've made the case. If you want to take McCaffrey number one, we did it on your show. If you want to take McCaffrey number one, the only thing holding him back when he's on the field is just staying on the field. He's been number one. He's been number one in points per game. And even more interestingly enough, Derrick Henry in points per game and PPR, as you mentioned when we did that show, was ahead of Jonathan Taylor by a bigger bigger gap than he was in half point PPR. So if you want to take Derrick Henry first because of the touches per game. I'm not going to – it's just Jonathan Taylor has that mix of safety and upside for those three. It does, and those are my one, two, and three players off the board. I go McCaffrey, I go Jonathan Taylor, then I go Derrick Henry, and then I'm into receivers. I, I did get some pushback from everyone. I, I didn't realize it when I was doing it. Obviously, I, I made the rankings. I looked at the numbers next to the name, and the moment that I saw the number next to his name, it didn't shock me, but it seemed to shock both Meany and Cuss when I was going through the top 150 was I have C.D. Lamb at number eight overall. I just think that he could be the wide receiver one. But like you're talking about cases to make, like upside cases. I don't really see that big of a difference between CeeDee Lamb and that year that I was super high on Mike Evans and he just smashed. <laughs> see, it's funny. I don't have him quite as high as you. I'm at 12, but I also am at wide receiver five in front of Stefan Diggs. And I got the, like a similar, not the meanie pushback, but I got the, well, how do you have him in front of Diggs? I said, because volume. Like, they're both in similar situations, similar talents, and I know people got disappointed because they expected it to happen for Lamb last year. 
But now you have Lamb coming off last year. He was still really good. He also was banged up for a few games. It's just, I'll compare it to this. On, on my show the, the, uh, the other day, Pat, I said that Baker Mayfield's career is part of the, the helium on his career that made everybody disappointed in him. He was always overinflated on his pure talent. That's not his fault. So Baker Mayfield's a fine quarterback. He's middle of the pack quarterback. But people expected top five, top ten, and that's why he gets so much hate. Similar to CeeDee Lamb, this is why I always do a last year's trash article. People expected CeeDee Lamb to be top five. And then by only being top 15, you're like, oh, CeeDee Lamb stinks. It's so disappointing. Still top 15. And now he's probably walking into what? 28% target share? 30%? Like only Cooper Cup and a few others saw last year because Gallup's not out there week one. Jalen Torbert's a rookie. They're talking about these dudes that they're bringing in from the USFL <laughs> as potential rosters because they have nobody right now. Simi Fioko, who I even liked last year as a deep, 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 deep sleeper, still having trouble running routes with something. Like, he's going to get such a massive, tor- which is also why I love Dalton Schultz. They're the one and two right now. They're essentially Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and yet nobody wants to treat them as those. Yeah, I have Dalton Schultz at number 53 overall in the rankings that's ahead of Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson and that's one spot behind DK Metcalf and you could probably even sell me on Where do you have him? I have him at number 51 to 53 sorry. oh I have him 51 too we're 53. on the same page as a tight end 53 I have him behind <laughs> Gabe Davis Allen Robinson and DK Metcalf and Amon Ross St. Brown and Michael Thomas like that tier of wide receiver for me and then I go Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. but you could talk me into I'd rather have Schultz and like David Montgomery or Hollywood Brown. Like I, I can see that case for sure. <laughs> He's ahead of all of those for me. I have Schultz one spot in front of Waller and people are calling me back crap crazy. I think that those two guys are far closer to each other than let's say, and Kittle for that matter, than like Pitts. The Pitts I have way ahead of them. Yes. Yes, I, there, I have a significant gap, and that's how I broke down my tiers, is I have three and three for my tiers. I am also with you. I, I have, let's see here, Lamb one spot ahead of Stefan Diggs in the rankings. Not, it's funny because that gets perceived as, you really don't like Stefan Diggs. He's my number nine <laughs> right? overall player. Like Let's pump the brakes here a little. I'll be happy with either of them, but it just comes down to the fundamental point that, yeah, Lamb could have a 31, 33% target share if everything breaks his way on this team. And it's really hard for Diggs to just establish himself as like by far the breakout player for the fantasy football purposes on the Bills when Isaiah McKenzie is there. They draft a pass-catching running back. Josh Allen's going to steal touchdowns around the goal line. And then you have Gabe Davis at the same time. Like every single one of the Bills players, like the non-huge players, is being super hyped as you got to draft this guy. Well, if those guys are so good that you're (laughs) drafting them, like it has to take take away from digs at some point <laughs> i'm glad you said that because that's what happens every single year too it's like you hype up blank 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 and blank blank and then it's still like well the number one is still amazing too like i can't this offense isn't gonna throw for six thousand yards like there has to be some cap here where it's, it's the waterfall effect essentially in a different fashion it's like you know like okay well all these wide receivers are gonna do great but you only have the quarterback throw for four thousand yards it's like it, it doesn't work that way San Francisco, obviously Trey Lance is going to be started. We don't know if Jimmy G is going to be on that team or not. I'm starting to think that he's going to be on that team. I heard the Browns had interest, but who don't they have interest in this point? They need to wait for what actually happens with Deshaun Watson before making a decision on any of this and how long he's actually suspended for. But Elijah Mitchell is expected to sit out all of the preseason with a hamstring injury. So I don't love players Mm -hmm. going into the year with a soft tissue injury. So what does that do for the breakdown of the rest of this backfield? Like, would you be willing to draft Trey Sermon late? Who's apparently looked pretty good or Tyron Davis price. who is like a really big guy and he's been getting some hype. I don't even know if he's going to make the team or he's going to be a practice squatter, but (laughs) these are the guys like filling in without Mitchell around. I got to tell you like a hamstring injury this early. Don't like it. So I tweeted about that over the weekend and said this. I said, the problem with Shanahanigans is it's kind of misperceived. Is like more often than not, the switch at running back has come by injury. But what is this? This is an injury that's now opening the door because, as you mentioned, Elijah Mitchell's not stepping on the field till week one. That is a giant open door because if anybody shows up and shows out well under Shanahan, which can just, boop, touch a finger on you and make you a good running back, I'm expecting somebody to show out and look good in this backfield. As of today, 
I would go with Trey Sermon for two reasons. Is one is there was a they had an appeal as Trey they traded up for Sermon last year, which is all the fascination we had. We, the fantasy community, everybody out there, don't fool yourself. Don't pretend like you weren't on this boat as soon as Jeff Wilson went down and they were down Mostert and Wilson, and we saw that they traded up for Trey Sermon in the third round. We all thought he could be the guy. And then Elijah Mitchell after week one, and we were like, oh, we all got fooled. So Trey Sermon's in this conversation. I'm not saying it's definitely going to be him, but he is the opportunity there, and what just happened with Trey Sermon and he, where Shanahan got backed into Elijah Mitchell is that's the other thing about Shanahan, if you watch throughout the years, is it's he's a little bit reluctant to turn to the rookie. And he's even said something. I forget the throwaway line he said for word for word, but it was something about Davis Price that had to show something, and because he's young or blah, 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 it was something in there. I'm not saying it can't be Tyrion Davis Price. I'm just saying I'm willing to t- – Trey Sermon's still free because everybody just remembers what happened last year and that he burned everybody last year's trash. So I'm willing to take the flyer on Sermon, especially because he's still going behind Tyrion Davis Price in drafts because they traded up and they got Tyrion Price this year. Well, then give me the free. It's yours, Pat. It's what you did for years with the Patriots. Just give me the cheapest one, that, and then I'll take the chance on that because we're probably going to all guess wrong anyway. Yeah, when you have – the only way, to, and you obviously can't peg it down, but the Ravens have been like this, the Patriots have been like this, and the Niners are currently like this, is you're not going to be able to predict what they're going to do. So, again, just take the cheapest guy, and maybe that works out because that is in the range of outcomes for, hey, that guy, like if you were just randomly taking Elijah Mitchell last year, who wasn't really on the radar outside of like a few preseason rumblings, then all of a sudden he's the guy because that's what the stupid offense does. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. So yeah, if, if Sermon's free, I'll take Sermon at the end of drafts. I did want to ask you, Trey Lance at DraftKings Sportsbook, over under props right now, over or under 500 and a half rushing yards. I feel like if you play 17 Sma- games, that's a I've, massive over. <laughs> I have I have bet that in multiple places, I'm just going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was the other two. I just put it out there. There's the other two. I have, tra- I, was- I have Trey Lance inside my top ten. I know you're not asking specifically, like, but he. Worst case scenario, he's Jalen Hurts who threw like crap. Lat- Go look at Jalen Hurts' passing line, and then realized he was a seventh quarterback. Trey Lance is going to be a top ten quarterback unless he gets hurt. Period. I, End I, of statement. I have not number six at quarterback, so you don't need to sell me. I think I. Okay, I think I have him at seven or eight, somewhere around there. I've robot. I have him at nine. Ooh, you're higher than I am because I have Stafford and Burrow in front of him. Uh, I do not. I have Stafford at like thirteen. I'm worried about this like maybe tendonitis thing that he's got going on and the pitcher's elbow he's got. Yeah, I just I just want to have running running quarterbacks just because the floor that they provide every single week. Like I have him ahead of Kyler, who I just don't think is going to run all that much. Hmm. I, he hasn't been running that much. And interestingly enough, I found this out when I was pulling like the, the, his effectiveness with and without Hopkins because it sent me down the rabbit hole of James Conner's effectiveness and his usage in the passing game, but also his rushing scores with and without Hopkins. The interesting – Kyler Murray's – all of Russia, Kyler Murray's rushing touchdowns came when Hopkins was in the lineup. They went out the window, and he was less effective all around without Hopkins. So even without with or without, I just I'm with you. I don't think Kyler wants to run as much as he used to. He's kind of heading down the Russell Wilson path, but not quite as bad yet. Yeah, because I was looking at his over under and it's five hundred and twenty five and a half at DraftKings Sportsbook. And under. I was thinking to myself, like that's a pretty under. good that's a pretty good under. Plus he gets hurt for three games every year too. Cause he run, that's what happens. He runs a bunch and it's great. And then he gets hit and gets like hurt. He tweaks a hamstring or hurts his knee. Then he just stops running for the rest of the year. Yep. I'm with you 100% on the under on the Kyler Murray. So we just gave everybody two great overs and unders. There you go. There we are. That's great news. What else do we got on the go here? Let's talk rookie rookie wide receivers because a few of them kind of showed out and then a few of them kind of got banged up. We'll start with Traylon Burks, though. What is happening here? Is he even going to be like a starter? He has to be, right? With, the, with that draft capital, <laughs> he has to be starting for the Titans. I, he will, but as the number two, I've been, I've been very much. So this might sound slanted because I was, I, this is funny. It goes kind of similar to the CD lamb, Stefan Diggs thing. I had Traylon Burks. I do tears before the drafts. You and I talked about it during that time during when we did the draft shows and all that type of stuff is that I do tears and Traylon Burks was in my tier two of wide receivers. And everybody's like, Oh my God, you hate Traylon Burks. He's not in your top five because if it look, I saw long-term potential with Burks. I think he's going to struggle as a rookie. All of the concerns I had are showing out now, and I'm not saying – I still can't be wrong. I'm not saying that by week three, the light doesn't switch, and, you know, Traylon Burks looks amazing. He's just dominating out there. 
but I didn't think it was going to be great for this year. And if Robert Woods back at that time wasn't a certainty, but I said, if Robert Woods is 100%. Robert Woods is the number one. Robert Woods is still the number one. The fact that Westbrook Aquina is even in the conversation with a talent like, and that's what I'm saying, he's a great talent. A talent like Burks has to be concerning for everybody out there hearing that. So I still think that Burks is good. I think that's kind of similar to the running back conversation. You could see Burks as Elijah Moore last year. He struggles, getting targets, even looking like he's out there. He's clearly the number two, but he's not connecting. He's not on the right page. He's not in the right system for what he's doing. He's not in the system yet uh, comfort-wise. And then by week seven or eight, he starts to come on. So I would let Burks go. I would draft a ton of woods, and I have been, and then potentially think about Burks later in the year. Yeah, I would draft Woods over Burks right now. That's how my rankings reflect everything. I don't have them super high in the rankings, mind you. I have Robert Woods at number 42. I have Traylon Burks at number 49. That's sandwiched in between Jacoby Myers and DJ Chark. So I do agree that there's upside there, but there's upside for Chark in that line in that Lions lineup too. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's in on Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. Very Anderkirst, by the way. Yeah, Jameson Williams <laughs> comes back. He's a problem, but Maybe DJ Chark was just hurt last year, and he's back to the guy who led all rookie AFC receivers in yardage in his rookie year, playing on a crappy Jacksonville team. Like, it wouldn't be crazy if he was good. It wouldn't be. I'm I'm still holding out the Jamison Williams love and the fact that, you know, you saw – and no, I don't think he's Odell Beckham, but there's a lot of people out there I think the talent level is as high. And we saw Odell Beckham miss the first four weeks, and what did he do that season? Granted, wasn't as many competition for targets with those Giants, but Odell Beckham was a top 10 wide receiver as soon as he stepped on the field for the rest of the season. I'm not saying that's going to be Jamison Williams, but if Jamison Williams is anything close to 100%, I think he steps past DJ Chark and even St. Brown. Where I'm even with you on Chark is I don't think there's necessarily a world where it's a guarantee that St. Brown is the number one or two once Williams is on the field. I can see St. Brown struggling in the second year. I think he's a great slot receiver. I just, I feel like it's a lot of volume. There is very little options left on this team. TJ Hawkinson wasn't involved. I can see him falling into this slot Cole Beasley role, which if Jared Goff throws for 4,500 yards, 4,800 yards, Cole Beasley was a great wide receiver three for years, but I think that might be St. Brown, and I have zero St. Brown right now. What about Drake London, who left the preseason game with Atlanta with a knee injury, although it's been deemed not a long-term thing, so he should be good to go based on any reports that we have right now. Do you think this is a nice buying opportunity for him that people are just a little bit concerned about an injury, but you still get, you can call him wide receiver one, but he's probably wide receiver two after Pitts on this team. Yeah, I would agree with the wide receiver two if you call Pitts the one. I think it's a good buyer opportunity for the second part of it too is that you saw this past week, all of a sudden you get these, oh, this is why the NFL has kind of gone away from these style of wide receivers and gone away from the big bodies. And all about, it's like, the dude can still get open. It's not like he's Kenny Galladay. Like, let's be real about who Drake London is. So, yeah, I think it's a great buying opportunity. Maybe starts the season slow, but remember, this is when you draft players like this, where I was throwing out the other ones we've talked about, like Traylon Burks and Damian Pierce and stuff like that, is like, well, I say, you know, those are buying opportunities. If you do draft said player, don't be the one that turns around and sells them in week three or four. Understand what you're buying. So this is why we also talk about shows like what we're doing right now, is don't buy at the peak too. Don't buy Drake London in the fifth round, where he has to be great from day one, and now you're stuck in this kind of... Pot committed situation with him. So uh, be reasonable when you're spending. And then at the same time, understand that if you are drafting a London, a Pierce, a Burks, you're going to have to be patient or then let somebody else who won't be patient draft them. I like Drake London. I have one spot behind Brandon Ayuk at number 35 overall at wide receiver. That's one spot ahead of the Lazard Queen, Alan Lazard. So he's very firmly in the mix as a wide receiver three for me. I think he's going. I'm a little higher than that. You do. Not by much. Okay, but it, I'm a sandwich between Elijah Moore and Alan Lazard at 30, 31, and 32. All right, I mean, all those guys are in that very similar range to me, so then it just becomes preference. But it feels like he's going to start going later than that in drafts. You could probably draft him as a wide receiver four, and I'd be comfortable with him as my wide receiver three as long as he's healthy in week one, which it looks like yes. he's going to be. How about George Pickens? Is he like wide receiver one now after that catch? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the Chase Claypool catch from 2021 that he made. Yes, look. You know how I feel about Pickens. If anybody didn't see when we talked about him back in the day, I jokingly, I don't remember if it was on your show or not, but made the joke that 
he uh, Chase Claypool went out and announced the better wide receiver when he got drafted. Uh, I think Pickens on a pure talent level is better than Claypool. I think just that's a fact. The biggest concern with Pickens wasn't even the talent. It was the off-the-field concerns, and he went to a great situation with a coach who manages those among the best. And if Pickens just shows the acclimation from the college game to the NFL game, which he looks to have so far, and I'm not even basing it on that catch. I'm basing it on multiple, again, multiple beat reporters saying he looks great in practice, and he's connecting early, and he's getting the playbook down early. I think he steps in and he's the number two. Deontay Johnson is by far clearly the number one, and I know you were saying that tongue-in-cheek. But even with Trubisky at quarterback, Pickett at quarterback, I think Pickens could be a nice wide receiver four. I don't think three. I think Claypool's not going to completely go away, and you still have Fryer Muth around, and you still have Najee Harris commanding so many touches himself that it's just a volume standpoint for Pickens, even if he is the number two. Pickens or Claypool, if you had to draft one? Pickens. Okay. Pickens or Tyler Boyd? Ooh, I'm going to take Tyler Boyd because we've seen the brief stretches last year where he was a wide receiver to himself. And then if anything happened to Chase or Higgins, Boyd's a top 20 wide receiver. Would you go Olave or Pickens? Uh, I'm going to go Pickens. I think I would take Pickens I think as he's well. the number two. Would you go Wendell Robinson or Pickens? Not uh, Pickens. Okay. So yeah, Pickens. Uh, the Giants are playing for 2023, and I think there's just going to be this is basically the Bills before Stefan Diggs. It's just going to be this, the Tony for three games, then Wandell for two. Kenny Galladay is going to show off for two and three, and then Sterling Shepard will be healthy for his two or three. I just This is going to be, by the end of the season, the leading wide receiver is going to have 700 yards. No, that's not fun. It's not fun at all. No. That makes George Pickens, I just bumped him up a little bit, a few spots uh, to ahead of Alave and right behind Tyler Boyd. That makes him number 50. One in the, uh, <laughs> in, in, the, in the wide receiver rankings right now. I wouldn't get too crazy with it, but if, by the time drafts actually come around, as long as he doesn't have a highlight reel catch every single preseason game, I think people will temper their expectations a little bit. On the QB yeah. front, between Pickett and Trubisky, Pickett looked okay. That's the best way to describe Pickett. He looks okay. That's that's going to be the career of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he but, but okay. is, is looking okay... I, I know we're sort of better enamored. than Trubisky. Yeah, like I know we're sort of enamored with Trubisky at the moment because he was put in a great situation as the Bills' backup with Brian Dable with all these weapons, and he looked pretty good when he came in for mop-up duty. And I don't know, is pretty good better than Trubisky? I don't know. Put it this way: I'm going to answer your question by not answering it and saying <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me because when they signed Trubisky and then when they drafted Pickett, I said the same thing both times. It can't be worse than Ben Roethlisberger's past three seasons. Ben Roethlisberger's past three, past three seasons compared to Trubisky's career, they're almost like neck and neck. That's how bad Roethlisberger played the past three years. So I don't really care because I, I, the floor is out there. I, I don't think Trubisky's going to be worse than Roethlisberger was. And if he is, you go to Pickett. I don't think Pickett's going to be that much worse than what he was. So you have the volume for Deontay. The only thing that could go haywire for Deontay Johnson or Claypool or Pickens is just that if Pickett has a different – favorite if Trubisky has a different like what if Trubisky he hasn't shown this tendency he actually throws to the running backs a little bit more than Roethlisberger did at times is what if he throws to Fryermuth as his second target and all of a sudden it's Deontay and Fryermuth or what if Pickett comes in and he loves Claypool and Pickens and then Deontay goes from a 25% target share to an 18 and all of a sudden Deontay's killed so that's the only thing I'm concerned about is that they might have prefer preferential treatment of their targets Baker runs with the ones Darnold does not this is Baker's job right oh if it's not the Panther that's the Panthers are praying that they have the number one pick next year okay they probably are anyway Gino ran with the ones in Seattle not Drew Locke could this just yeah I I don't know how we factor like do we prefer either one of them for Metcalf and Lockett because it does seem like Drew Locke is more prone to like air it out but Gino might just be better so, Gino, I think that you're going to get a net neutral situation here is the fact that, yes, Gino's better. You're going to get more air yards and deeper plays with Locke, but the problem is he doesn't complete half of them. So, it's going to f factor out is that, yeah, okay, so whereas maybe you catch 60% with Gino, now you're only catching 50%, but it's offset because the plays are bigger. So, I prefer Gino slightly to Drew Locke if we could ever over the season just because I think the offense might click a little bit better too. 
Uh, we've seen Drew Locke. Actually, we've seen Drew Locke and what he destroys the running game because of how he plays. So I think this offense could be better with Smith, but offensive line is not also great. Like Seattle is going to be a bottom five team, which is part of the reason when we go back to you asked about the running backs is why we're kind of like eh, on the running backs is because the entire offense could struggle. At least it's only Metcalf and Lockett and that we're not too concerned about Eskridge and the other ancillary pieces. I even though Fant, I I have interest in Fant if Locke's the starter. I don't know if I do with Gino, just because that familiarity that that's something at least I can, I can point to. Nah, I could see that, but I, what what's Fant's ceiling though? Like tight end twelve? Like like if yeah, I'm he's taking he's, flyers on tight end. Let's see. I'd uh, rather take a flyer on Evan Ingram. See, I just think that Dan Arnold might be better than Evan Ingram. It's Dan Arnold you want, not Evan Ingram. Nah, Dan Arnold wasn't even out there though. Yeah, but he's Tarzan Dan. He doesn't need to be out there. He's so good, he doesn't need to be out there running with the ones. Put it that way. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> that would be my take on that situation. I have Fant at 15. Like, I have him firmly with Higby and Henry, Austin Hooper, that type of player. But I have Bob Tunyon at number 13. He was activated from the pup list. I don't understand why people aren't higher on him. This season, if there's all this confusion about what's going on in the Packers offense, is it going to be like, can Sammy Watkins step in? Is Randall Cobb viable? At least we've seen Bob Tunyon do stuff with Rodgers before, hit double-digit touchdowns. It seems like a no-brainer to me. I think that's the thing, though, is it, even when he did it, it's all touchdowns, which... are you? Do you, you think Aaron Rodgers, is, do you think he's not going to throw for touchdowns? Because I heard there's this guy who used to play on the <laughs> Packers, who used to catch a lot of touchdowns. He's not there anymore. Sure, but we've also seen Aaron Rodgers not throw 35 touchdowns. And I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but so it comes down to, like, where do you have Tanya at t- tight end? I'm not saying not to like Tanya. Thir- just where do thir- you have him? 13. I actually have him ahead of Pat Fryermuth, who I'm kind of really down on this year. See, I'm I'm not on that. I'm definitely not on that with you. But, you know, if Tanya finished at 10, sure, but it's going to kind of be – my concern is that it's going to be the um, – Jer, the guy that I was almost said his name. I can't Jer, say his name on the Jer, show. Jer, Jer fucking Mike Finley? No, no, no. No, 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 no. The tight end you and I both hated for our entire careers that he shall not be named tight end. Jerry That was Cook. with the Chargers. Yeah. And the, yeah, you're not supposed to say his name. I feel like it's going to be that. It's going to be eight good games because it's going to be the games he catches the tight end, their touchdowns. And then the other eight games are going to be like, well, got two points or a zero. Thanks a lot. It's funny because I don't mind that as much if the touchdowns are actually going to be there. Like if you just told me he scored nine touchdowns this year, I'll take the one or two points just in the range that he's going with because I feel like those weeks where he does catch the touchdown, he's going to be substantially better than all of these guys down the list. Like what's really the difference, honestly, between the role that Robert Tunyon plays in the Packers offense and what Dawson Knox does in the Bills offense. Like Dawson Knox is going to be the same way. He might catch 10 touchdowns and that will be fantastic. But the games he's not catching touchdowns, it's not like he's seven for 75. That's a valued argument. And that's why I'm lower than most on Dawson Knox. I I think there's eight tight ends that you want. If you don't get one of those, you kind of pick your poison. Like there's, you have your Cole Komet, who seems like he's a great floor and PPR guy, but is going to do nothing on top of that. Irv Smith, <laughs> if he's healthy, I think I would actually prefer. Zach Ertz is in that, although Zach Ertz is dealing with a calf injury right now, that he's All sort right. of in that Cole Komet range. And Dawson Knox, Robert Tunyon, Fant, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, they're all just, if they're not scoring a touchdown, they're going to be absolutely useless Two names. to you. Go ahead. It's David and Joku. No. So there's one. Yes. Pass. And then next. the other. No, no. no. I, the, the next year. I can't believe you left his name out. Well, you were out. You were, we're driving captain and co-captain Brevin Jordan, man. I like Brevin Jordan, but if you told me that like he I sucks, know. I'm not going to be super stunned. <laughs> no, but and I see all the people already panicking because of the usage in the preseason game one about his being split out there and just no. Hey, he was split, he was split, Remind- he, he was split out there, but he played all of the snaps with Davis Mills, so that's positive. Exactly. Yeah, and he's running routes. He's not an inline tight end. He's not a blocking tight end. That's what you want. You don't want him out. There. He's essentially the number two. I'm I'm a hundred percent. I know Farrell Brown. Brown's gonna be blocking. Don't be, this. It's, this is the Cameron Bray, OJ Howard thing. Don't be care. I don't care about Farrell Brown. Give me all the Brevin Jordan. Anywhere's number nine. He's got a single-digit number for a tight end. That's amazing. It's kind of the opposite of Mike Gesicki, who all of a sudden in the Dolphins' first preseason game wasn't lining up in the slot. He was lining up in, which is not normally where you want him. 
I, I will victory lap the hell out of this one, Pat. You know I love to when I can. I immediately, as soon as they made the trade for Tyreek Hill, I said, done. Mike Kosicki is out. The highest, one of the highest volume opportunities and still was only okay with it. And it was so much out of the slot. He can't play the slot anymore. He's done. He's done. Move on. I'll draft Tunyon over Mike Kosicki. Would you draft Austin Hooper over him? I feel like Hooper's in a mm. good spot here. They're this. They're in the same. They're kind of in the same conversation with me. I, offenses like. Mm, yeah, I think I might. Okay. What about Big Albert O? No, I'm not an Albert O guy. And you already saw the fact that they're talking about Dolchik and he could be competition for that. And then like, it's Russell Wilson too. Russell Wilson's already got two great options, just like he had in Seattle. It was this was back with Tim Patrick. I'm. I'll be a little bit more in on Albert O now that Tim Patrick went down. But I'm still thinking like Hamler's gonna step up. You have two good running backs out of the backfield. Like just I just don't see where the share opportunity for Okubunam. Did I say it right? Sure. Oku, I think I left out a syllable. Akunanabop. <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna try that one. Last thing, what else do I got on the list? Christian Wal- Yeah, Bob Tunyon activated <laughs> from Pup. Uh, Christian Watson has knee surgery. No word like he's activated, but no word yet on when he's gonna come back. The last thing is the Brady not at camp people like were mad about it like oh my god tom brady it's like who cares like he most definitely just had a vacation plan was like i don't need to fucking be there (laughs) (laughs) like i just love that he can legitimately go away to whatever the hell he wants to do for two weeks and people are like it's it's tom brady cool whatever meanwhile and like tony romo takes a cruise back in the day everybody remembers that odell beckham's on a boat and they get crucified for three weeks and yet tom brady is like and i get he's the goat and all that but still it's still laughable to me you just leave in the middle of the preseason and people are just like yeah cool whatever yeah i mean dude's 45 you maybe don't want him practicing in the heat every single day (laughs) no you don't but like at least that like even when strahan held out all the way he held out all to the preseason and then like was out there and no he wasn't he wasn't forced to practice or anything but still yeah, I, I I do enjoy that people just don't care, and I personally don't care. I think it's great. Go go on as many family vacations as you want, Tom. Just show up for week one, and everything will be fine. Yeah, that's Tom Brady is going to be great. The only thing you should be concerned about is Godwin's one hundred percent for week one. That's all we're concerned about. Do you think he is one hundred percent for week one? I don't think he's one hundred percent. I think we could be looking at the wide receiver version of Saquon Barkley last year. He's out there, and then by the end of September, he's close. At least by according to a lot of medical reports, sounds like he should be out there, but that he's probably not going to be 100% effective in the Godwin we know. All right. Well, maybe that's another guy to put on the list for like week three trade trade targets. Chris Godwin. Yeah. Although that's, a, that's actually a smart one. He'll be tricky because someone will spend a lot of draft capital on him. And that's the one thing about when, if you have someone who's drafted in like the first five rounds and then they get off to the bad start, the person who drafted them still wants the equivalent value of what they drafted them for. Like they'll talk about like they would almost rather cut them than trade them for less than what they drafted them for as weird (laughs) as that sounds. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. And which is what I was saying, going back to why, if you're the one that drafts, be patient because you're going to kind of feel like you did, but there are, there are leagues with inexperienced panicking managers who do that, who say like, Oh my God, I drafted this guy. A good example might be one of the backup running backs, uh, uh, Rashad White. You draft Rashad White in the sixth round because of what he could be if Leonard Fournette were to go down. And then Leonard Fournette's healthy for the first five weeks. And they're like, I'm going to drop Rashad White. That's not why you drafted him there. And you just said it, drop. But there are some potential managers who would say, instead of dropping him, I'll take something. So it depends. You you know your league. You know who you're playing with. But, yes, I would pay attention because, let's say they draft – let's say – it was an auction, and they spent 18 on Rashad White. That'd be like, ooh, I got one of the best backups. They're going to be less likely to say, I'm going to give him up cheap. I don't think you want Rashad White at all, to tell you the truth. I just don't see it. And, like, he's even running. You think it's Gio? I just don't think it's anyone if Fournette goes down. I think it's some <laughs> sort of mismatch of all of them. And, like, he's not going to get the receiving work at all. Fournette's going to get it, and or Gio is going to get it. And then, like, they just signed Patrick Laird at running back. Like, who knows? He's probably not going to make the team. But the fact that they're now just (laughs) adding more guys and primarily pass-catching guys just leads me to believe that even if something were to happen to Fournette, that White might see, 
I don't know, like 45% of the snaps. That could be valuable, but it could be absolutely nothing at the same time. I think you see Rashad White get to 60 if something happened to Fournette. Maybe. But this is weak. And again, I would say that as of now, this could uh, honestly, we have to watch. You know, there's he wouldn't be the first rookie to not connect and look great in the preseason. We'll see game two. Maybe we'll get see some game three. I don't think we're going to get much of Tom Brady to really know. Uh, but we'll get to see there. Who's the other one? Didn't they? Um, The one that's been around to like 17 teams but never makes the opening day raw. Oh, Barner. Didn't they bring in Barner too? They had Kenyon Barner. They still have Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn's eh. Yeah, he is. But he was running, like, he was running ahead on like, he was actually getting a few first team reps and White wasn't. I feel like Barner, like I said, like I feel like he's been on a lot of preseason teams or like picked up in the middle of the year and signed for depth and then just is never active. Yeah, he's essentially a special teams guy, though. Like you can play him at running back in a pinch, but he's essentially a pure special teams player. Sure. So he has value yeah. in that regard. Like he's good to fill out your 53-man roster with because he's just so versatile. We'll see. We got week two coming up. For sure. Jake Sealy. Is it week three? No, it's because it's, it's preseason. I, it? I feel like Hall of Fame game is its own thing. I don't think they consider that week one, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. At All In Kid on Twitter, you yes. can find Jake Seeley at theathletic.com. What yes. do you got coming up this week? Yeah. So the second piece, like I said, top 10 last time was top 10 potential opportunities for quarterbacks and running backs. This time it's wide receivers and tight ends. And then what I referenced a couple times on the show, I got the last year's trash. Coming out next week. And at All in Kid on Instagram, if you want to go check out the proposal in full, you can actually see everything that's done. I had my man, Olin Rogers. He did a video. That's why Nicole's standing there. She's watching. I actually had people. We got a crowd, Pat, because there was a two and a half minute video from Olin Rogers. is talking about our dating lives like a story. He does comedic stories on YouTube. And at the end of it, I told him, I told him like the bits and pieces to say. And he kind of comedied it up, laughed it up. And at the end of it, he says, it's now when Jake is looking back. And then I said, and then he goes, and Nicole should look back too. And he goes, no, seriously, Nicole Martin, turn around. And that's when she turned around. So like by that point, there was like people clapping at the end of the video. But some lady came up to us afterwards. She's like, why wasn't she turning around? Like, like you looked so worried. <laughs> it's just, just waiting for the video to be done. All right, well, go check out Jake's Instagram. That's also at Kid. You can follow me over there at the PME on Instagram, on Twitter at the PME, Facebook slash the PME. You can find all the running lists of the content playing the Listener's League. That's now available down in the description, as is the entire rankings, lists, and full draft kit, all completely free. So please go do that right now. Smash the like on the way out. Sub to the channel. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.